0: So it's time for a show about nothing. Like there's a lot of nothing in your spiritual journey. <laughs> Welcome to the Soma
1: Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Paul. Now that we've deconstructed our evangelical beliefs, we're trying to find a way forward to hold on to Christian faith and community in a post-Christian culture. So in our first episode, Mark, you and I talked about um, that we were both like preacher guys, pastors, and ministry church leaders, and we both left right at and some point we both left We both yeah. left we both left church essentially I mean I, maybe we've visited at different points but we also left church behind and we had to find out um, like find a new way like I had to find a new way to make a living. I know you did too. That's
0: definitely one of the uh, stressful tra- part to the transition yeah. is when you're dependent on a church for your income then and you're no longer connected to that church then obviously you're starting starting afresh no know.
1: kidding. That is a midlife crisis right there, my friend. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you did, it kind of makes sense. Like, you became a, a teacher, right? So, you... Well,
0: I had, I had to make a choice, and I, I did a few things. I was a chaplain for a year at Red River, which was really not very, I wasn't very effective. I wasn't really prepared for it. Um, I tried to start a nonprofit for a while, did a little bit of public speaking, wrote, wrote the book, went on a couple of TV shows, but none of it really amounted to anything. And so then it was, um, you know, have to make a choice here. I guess I'm a teacher. And yeah. that was my thought at the time. So I signed up for education, yeah.
1: Well, oh, it makes sense. You're teaching, you're communicating, you're, you know, you're having to find simple ways to express maybe complicated ideas. You're helping people. Like, I ended up in advertising, my friend.
0: That That's different, yeah. I bet well,
1: I, I don't know. It's convincing people to to take on things you don't really want or need. Maybe it's... there's just. Do you, do you really feel that way? Does no, it, I'm just kidding. Th- yeah. No, advertisers are good people.
0: I, I found teaching very... Like, when you're teaching in the church, you get a lot of, you know, great job, and, and people kind of affirm you, and, and and when you're teaching in high school, it's like the bell rings and they leave, right? There's yeah. not, there is affirmation that comes in, in a sense, but there's also a lot of uh, people just listening to you because they have to, which yeah. is not always the most... Uh, exciting kind of teaching.
1: No, I, it was, yeah, it was very hard for me too, obviously. I, I had four kids by the time I decided to leave ministry behind, and and it was just like, what am I going to do with my life? This is crazy. There's a, um, a song, I don't know if you're into Christmas, but there's a Christmas, uh, White Christmas, the movie White Christmas with Bing Crosby. Right. Uh, there's a song where he sings, uh, what do you do with a general who stops being a general? And I remember singing around the house, like, what do you do with a pastor who stops being a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> Like, how do you figure that out, right? How do you transfer that skills? Well, it, it's, a,
0: it's an identity change, right? And, yeah. I, and I think um, looking back, that's, that's the journey that God was starting me on was a journey of uh, refining your identity, strengthening your identity. But initially, it feels like a big loss because you're leaving behind what you know. You're leaving mm-hmm. behind your source of income. I know. You feel kind of directionless, and you, and you also feel that like God has gone silent,
1: yeah, I I, I kind of made my wife mad at me for about six months because she kind of begged me to get a real job. Like when I was in the ministry, that's how she'd put it. So I finally leave the ministry and what do I want to do? I want to become a rock star.
0: A rock star, that's, well, that's your
1: go-to. Right <laughs> oh, there. she's so mad. And I think that it's exactly speaking to the point that you mentioned. It's like it was about identity, right? right. Like I I had a hard time letting go. Uh, and it was almost like it was natural for me to just think, well, I'm going to pick up music again and, and get that that you know that was a close. You fit. need
0: a foundation, right? Yeah. And so for me, it was. I started painting again, and I started doing all these artistic things again that I had largely let go of, while I was doing the, the passion of the red herring and the ministry of the red herring. Um, and you're right; it's all of a sudden you have all this time and brain brain cycles that are not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So you got to come <laughs> up with a plan B, and just an ordinary job seems kind of boring.
1: But, you know, I, it worked out for me. I, I Yeah, I joke about the advertising bar, part, but it, I ended up getting into, like, branding and marketing and um, and even into film and television, uh, produced a web TV show and got into um, <clears throat> communications, so what I'm doing today. And the thing I, I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the common, I think, thread is is storytelling. Like, I, I, re, I remember that was a huge part of what, i would have done you would have done as well as tell stories and right. i found a way to do that in a sort of the regular you know corporate world uh but storytelling um is a huge part of how human beings learn like our, our brains are, are wired for stories right
0: i mean I, I always hear people say that and i guess um i i do know that it's true and i think i've become more aware of it um but i was always sort of uh driven to learn as many details about a subject that i could so if i get interested in something i just uh, you know i just dig down and try to find out all the details and um but you're right i, I think stories are not just intellectual or factual they're emotional mm-hmm. and they drive us emotionally oh
1: absolutely it's like when we listen to a story i mean they i think they track the brain when this happens right and it's like things are letting up everywhere and it, it releases this perfect chemical, you know, sort of um, a perfect uh, blend of like oxytocin and dopamine and all right. these things. Well,
0: stories provide meaning and I think meaning and connection are things that we're all looking for. Yeah. Um, the Bible is really it's full of right. deep, multilayered stories that are able to connect with a human experience when when we sort of grapple with them
1: well it's how we've transmitted values right and we've, we've transmitted truth from generation to generation to generation is through stories and you're right that they're, they're emotional you remember them you know, they stay with you especially if you empathize with the main character right and you can see yourself in the story we're here today to talk a little bit about our own personal stories right a little bit right. about that but we want to r- sort of reference a common story structure. This thing is as old as Aristotle, right? It's this the three-act structure. And um, we also have often talked about in our own group that we've talked about in the first episode, our SOMA group, um, we've done some studying about the hero, her, hero's journey, right? Right. Which, which is which also is, a story structure.
0: Yeah, Joseph Campbell, right. uh, the writer, he kind of popularized the idea of the hero's journey, that it's a hero with a thousand faces, yeah. Um, it's found in many, many cultures and places, and it's that individual who's on a spiritual journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it simply, it just comes to this sort of this basic three-act structure. The first act is a character sort of living in their ordinary world. It's just, You get a sense of like, this is sort of business as usual, and then something happens. It's, right. They call it's it the shift. inciting incident or the catalyst, Right. And that inciting incident is basically a call on the hero, the character to like leave their world behind and go out on a adventure to like basically seek out this thing that they need or this thing that they want.
0: And often it's, it's, or sometimes it's not by choice. Their circumstances push them away from home. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they are you know, they don't realize the monumental shift that's, that's happening to them. Yeah. Um, and, but it's, it's, it's the first turning point.
1: For sure. And, and when you, when they take that turning point, it moves into the second act and that's basically conflict, 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 conflict. It's every time that character tries to, to sort of apprehend or get a hold of that goal, something pushes it further.
0: I, I think that's how you know that you're on a spiritual journey, right? Yeah. Like we have kind of a popular idea of spiritual journey sounds very kind of wishy-washy, yeah. but a part of any spiritual journey is going to be struggle, things that you have to overcome, people that are opposed to you perhaps, um obstacles that you didn't anticipate and yeah. it, it's going to it's going to take some time as well. We we'd like to have quick spiritual journeys, but a lot of them are slow. They take years. Yeah. That God leads us through this winding path that we we can't anticipate and we don't know when it's going to end.
1: Yeah, so you, you, what you're saying is is like basically these stories, they, they are metaphors for life. So we, we actually live these, these hero journeys and we can see this in our own lives. And and you're right. saying there's a spiritual one that, that is being offered to people. Is that, I, I,
0: I just, I just think in a very basic way that people are on a spiritual journey, whether they realize it or not. Wow. And, um, it, it's happening to you through the circumstances of your life, through the choices that you've made, through the impact of other people's choices, yeah. and, um, and you, you just, you're on it whether you like it or not, really. And, you know, I think there's spiritual pathways that are greater and some that are lesser and some that get resolved and some that don't get resolved, but the fact of the matter is wherever you are right now, that's, that's your part of your spiritual journey.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of the great stories that inciting incident is like the character basically had no idea this was coming. Like the, the you know, the night that that Bilbo leaves the ring uh, in uh, on Frodo's floor, right? right? And Frodo finds the ring. Like the minute he finds that ring, his life is screwed. <laughs> right? Or or it's on a trajectory of
0: something greater. Yeah. But um, <laughs> good perspective
1: in contrast with
0: movies I think a lot of times movies kind of tell it to us in a very high uh, High high version of that story, right? In our day to day life <laughs> it's slow. You know, like yeah. everybody wants to save the world. Nobody wants to go to work on a Monday morning. You know, it, yeah. It, it, it's there's a lot of drag. There's a lot right. of right. Slow- Movie editors
1: they they edit out all the uh, extra stuff you don't need to see. Maybe maybe our lives are more like uh, uh, television series, right? Like long uh, season after season after season. Every episode almost has a little um, hero's journey, but then there's a there's one that arcs over the season, and then there's one that can arc over the entire. Lifespan of the show, right? And so maybe that's similar to our lives. Like maybe there are smaller versions of this, and then there are more epic, large scale right. versions. Was of that
0: sign full? A show about nothing? Yeah, like there's a lot of nothing in yeah, your spiritual I guess journey. I think, I think it's worth contrasting that. So we've kind of painted a, a story picture of the spiritual journey in terms of contrast to how I was taught, or at least picked up the idea of how you begin a Christian spiritual journey. And it's primarily you pray this prayer. Um, you know romans you, you confess your sin you um, you you believe the you know believe Jesus died to save you from your sin, and then the tra- transactions made you kind of move from one uh, place to another yeah and i 'm not against that praying that prayer or or being aware of that mm-hmm. but i've i 've led people through that prayer and they haven't moved very far. Right? right. So what we're talking about is something maybe bigger and, and wider than that. Yeah. It can include that, mm-hmm. but it it's, you know, I think the idea that you simply pray a prayer and, and the, spiritual, the spiritually important stuff has happened mm-hmm. is too small a picture.
1: No, I agree. So I don't know, if, I don't think I told you I was going to ask you this, Mark, but I'm actually going to ask you about, your inciting incident like at least one you can tell me about. yeah one of them sure but just before you do um just for for the listeners just to complete the story structure so act two is is act two is most of the story it's a long section of the story and it's just it's conflict and it's rising all the problems yeah and usually you meet along the way like your comrades who help you and you and you meet a guide actually who mentors you Uh, but it's just one issue after another until finally you reach this sort of moment where it's like all is lost. Like all the villains have gathered around. There's no hope, and they they call that moment in the story the second turning point. So if inciting incident was point number one, the second point is this dark night of the soul, right? Where they call it the belly of the whale, well, which are both biblical yeah, references, it,
0: it, exactly. And so the point where basically all seems lost, right? And your resources and your abilities are not enough to. To to get that turning point, so yeah. you need something to come from the outside, yeah. And that's in a sense that's a picture I think of the resurrection. Yeah, Um, you know, when Jesus dies, that's that's his dark night, and but he's going to get brought back up and come right. to life.
1: And he literally says, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" So it's like the loss or death of God for for him. And right. I think I can relate to that, and maybe I think you can, and others can in different ways after that dark night of the soul you're right there's this that's the shift into act three and the hero digs deep and there's a final sort of conflict and clash and the hero triumphs and usually the hero then changes like there's through the whole process there's been a transformation right right and that's kind of like where the whole thing's going
0: so i guess to answer your question I- I I would say uh, one of the biggest turning points in my life was meeting my wife um, at university. And um, I was on kind of a spiritual search up to that point through meditation, lucid dreaming, uh, lots of various occult uh, interests and reading and so forth. Um, And then when I met Alex, um, we began a conversation about her faith. And she challenged me in some ways. And I, as part of that challenge, I eventually picked up the Bible and I I started reading some (laughs) of the Bible and I realized it was 180 degree from what I actually thought was going
1: on. Like, do you remember like what you felt like Like, when you say 180 degrees, like, that that's curious to me like so like now you know the bible really well you studied it. how di- how was it different for that first first few times you
0: um i like for me my experience reading the bible felt like um it, to use the cliche it did feel like a revelation it w- it felt so different than i, I thought it would be mm-hmm. and i remember praying and um i was asking god if this is real you got to show me and it was wow. doing something in me and um in the middle of kind of a it was a season that was sort of happening. I was living in Vancouver, and I had a kind of vision I'll call it a vision in which I saw myself in a log cabin and I was kind of messing about with all this like technology stuff that was kind of not going anywhere it was all melting in my hands mm-hmm. and, I, and then i I had this realization um, that at the back of the log co- cabin was Jesus and I thought he might c- come and knock on the door and I was <laughs> worried about that. So I, I went outside and when I went outside, I saw this sort of light in the sky and I saw Alex was dressed in white on the sand dunes and I heard a voice and the voice said, history is divided up between two groups of people and you need to decide which group you want to belong to. Wow. And, and it, I, I immediately came out of it and I, it, threw me for a loop because it felt so real. And I, I kind of, not kind of, I knew that God had spoken to me. Wow. And I knew enough to just pray and ask God for help. And and that was sort of like the water sh- watershed moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a process of growing faith and trying to understand what had happened to me that be, that was sort of centered around that. Mm-hmm. So this happened
1: to you. Like, Did you have any, like, uh... Like grid for this? Like, had you been to church, or was this just all happening just in your apartment?
0: I mean, like I said, I I was always interested in spiritual things from a young age. I, you know, uh, fifteen years old, and I was in my bedroom trying to meditate, and you know, I would mm-hmm. practice lucid dreaming, which is where <laughs> you realize you're dreaming. At fifteen, I was I was always interested. I, <laughs> wow. I started a ghost club when I was twelve. You know, and just I just was interested in the supernatural and paranormal. So I had that that kind of a mindset. And I did go to church uh, occasionally as a kid. I was ba- I was infant baptized by my parents, but I had no knowledge of, of scripture and no uh, other than a very general awareness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the light kind of turned on, and I just started reading, and I was fascinated, and I and I wanted to know more.
1: Wow! So that was your one of your main inciting incidents of your life.
0: It it was a without that turning point in my life, I think that uh, I would
1: be in a totally different place. Yeah, so something happened to me too, you know. Something I look back at now. That's kind of what I wanted us to maybe touch on today a little bit too. Is is I don't know if we're in act two or act three of our lives. Hopefully <laughs> we're not, uh, I think I'm starting act three. Really? Yeah. With, just. That, with that act three perspective, I am interested to sort of see what, what you think, like looking back at that inciting incident, sort of how you interpret that. But, um, I want to do that too. And, um, for me, something, something actually really happened to me and my family. Um, it, it, it was like, you know, when you talk about a conversion experience, uh, we had a conversion experience. Like, the kind you read about, like, say, somebody like Saul in the book of Acts of the Bible, who in on one day, he's literally persecuting Christians and, ki- and getting right. them killed, right? Like, through stoning and stuff. And then, like, on another day, he's the biggest proponent of Christianity that we've ever seen. And the difference was a Experience that he claimed to have had with the risen Christ, right? That knocked him off a horse and he got blind. Right, he heard
0: a sound, or the people that were with him, they heard something, but they didn't really know what was happening, right?
1: Yeah. So, like, you can say, okay, maybe he's crazy. Maybe he made all that up. Maybe something, something weird go, goes on there. He maybe he has psychological problems. I don't know. Whatever you, however you explain that away, it did change the course of his life and that's kind of what i hear from you too like you see this vision you see jesus in a cabin you see a light and like you can explain it all you want but from your own sort of uh lips like this thing whatever it was it changed the course of your life
0: yeah i mean from the outside it didn't look like anything and i and you know i i had zero interest in becoming a christian and, and i um I, you know, just even for the first year it was it was challenging, like I remember telling one of my good friends at the time I'd become a Christian and my parents, and they were all stunned. It was like what do, you know what are you talking about <laughs> you know you don't realize what's happening when it's happening right and it's, it's it sounds like a quick process, but it's actually it's a drawn out process that's yeah. happening in, in various stages
1: well for me, so I was twelve years old, and I didn't grow up religious at all. Like we would have said we're Catholic because we're Portuguese, but never been to church, never been to mass. I didn't know. I didn't even know Jesus rose from the dead. Like all the classic sort of Christian ideas. I had no idea that people believed he was coming back again. This was all news to me. I had no experience with God and, and my, my family life wasn't happy at the time. So like my dad was a really angry guy. He had a lot of sort of, um, trouble from his from from being a, from his childhood, just a really uh, angry, abusive sort of father, and um, and I remember just being afraid of my dad. He just seemed like he would fly off the handle anytime you know you kind of kind of approached him with something right. that he wasn't you know expecting. Uh, and then my mom, I just remember her being just super depressed and and always sort of afraid. She was always at home because she was scared. She had phobias about leaving the house. She was really sick um, physically. She went to doctors, and they said it was psychosomatic because they couldn't find anything wrong with her. And they, uh, they—I didn't know at the time, but I had hint, hints of this. But they told me afterwards that they were basically on the verge of divorce at that time. And then one day, <laughs> inciting incident comes along. My, uh, my mom is just flipping through the channels of the television set, and she catches like a TV evangelist. And this, she, she, she just. She starts to listen to this person and she begins to like cry, and like something begins to move her, and she begins to like call out and pray to Jesus. We had never again been to church, um, and so this none of this happened in a church. This was just happened just in our house. I used to say, like, God came and made a house call, right? the next thing you know, my mom is like leaving the house all the time because she's going to like prayer groups and Bible studies and, and she's like not sick. Like she's waking up every morning. Fine. So Something, something has changed. Something yeah. has changed in her. And my dad didn't like it. Uh, and I kind of watched him because I, you know, a 12 year old son, you're kind of watching your dad to be the example. And. And he's like, I, uh, your mom's going crazy. I'm going to have to talk to her. And so he talked to her and he actually put a, an ultimatum in front of her. And he said, it's either me or Jesus, but I'm not going to take you. You're a fanatic. I don't, you know, this is not what I want with our our life. Our marriage is already on the rocks. And my mom And he thought my mom would just cave because she would, you know, he would be used to putting sort of his foot down and she would do that. And she looked at him and she had this like strength and resolve he had never seen. And she said, I love you, but I love Jesus more. I will not abandon Jesus. So if you're going to leave, leave. And All he right. was like t- completely sh- shook like to the core. He didn't leave. He started to pick up the Bible behind her back and just read it to see what she was getting into, kind of like what you said. Like just yeah. I mean, I think words.
0: I think relationships. Um, you, you get the clearest picture of Jesus, I think, through often through people. Yeah, um, people who are trying their best to. Um, to make something, to make a a decision or a choice based on their understanding of who Jesus is. Well, it had an impact. Initial steps, you know. It had an
1: impact on my dad and he, so a few, maybe a few weeks later, I was in bed going to sleep and all of a sudden my dad um, calls down to me, Paul, Paul, come down, quick, come down. And I run down the stairs and I I run into the, the living room and he's sitting there with a Bible on his lap and he's got tears just streaming down his face and he's, He's speaking in a language I've never heard before. <laughs> and I'm like, dad, it's a little like, odd. like it doesn't sound like Portuguese. <laughs> he says, he says, he says, son, I was just reading here about these people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they started to speak in this language. And I just asked God, could I speak in this language? And, and this is what started to happen. And I'm like, holy mackerel, like, what is this? And then I found out that my dad had just recently had a nightmare and he woke up from the nightmare and he just turned to my mom and he woke her out of her sleep and he was just crying like a baby and just saying, I want your Jesus. I want what you have. And he, he gave his life to Jesus. So Mark, like all this was happening in our house, never been to a church. i never heard of the sinner's prayer. i never heard of a a hymn, never sang a song, never heard a preacher. This happened over a period of a few months. Um, And when this when this happened to my parents and I noticed my dad really changed. Like he started right. to be really soft. He forgave his father. He was crying all the time. He bought this guitar, um, and he learned two chords, A minor and E minor, and he would play that. We'd put the we'd put the dishes away after supper every night, and he'd just play those two chords, A minor, E minor, A minor, E minor. I even know those chords. You even know those chords. And we sang to those two chords for like hours, just our own lyrics, just made it up. Just 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 crying and, and praying and singing and and none of this happened in a church. It was just it was just there in our house and it made a difference. And um it changed my life. It was a very powerful experience. It set me on this course to like follow Christianity, follow Christ and end up end up making giving my life to it. And um when I look back at that, the seeds of it were really kind of I think I I think they've stayed with me. Like It was like very experiential. Right. It was very simple in the reading of like my dad's, like it says here that they did this. So I asked God to give it to me. Like it was sort of a simple reading of scripture. And it was really home and family based and relationship based. And I think I've never really shook that off. Like that's always been, that's always stuck with me.
0: It makes sense that to me that God would do something. Um, in your family he just wanted to change something and he used your mom to get it going yeah and um, I look at your family and I see I and mean, I'm looking from the outside but I see that there's a lot of good there and, and that comes from you don't seem angry
1: you, no. you know and and like it changed like it, it's real the, the the fruit of it is real so that like my parents are still together today right my dad is a is a very soft hearted man. You know, uh, it's impacted my life. It's impacted my children's life. My, my mother is a solid sort of rock of a person. Like, you know, now that I've, I've gone through act two and I've gone through the death of God, you know, my God, my God, where are you? Um, there'd be times where I would look back at that inciting incident for me and go like, what happened there? Like, if there's no God, then how do I explain that? And you know what, Mark, if it, if it was a fiction, it certainly was a very useful and powerful one. It saved my parents' marriage, and it set my whole life on a, on a path that has been very fruitful and meaningful. So um, that is just, yeah, that's, how do you, I guess, what do you say to that? Like, what do you say? Well, I, I just experience? think
0: that's normal spiritual stories, are they, they involve the family, they involve identity change that, you know, you, your dad started off one way and mm. then he became a different way. And mm-hmm. probably, you know, in the moment something happened, but he probably still had to work it out. There were probably For times that sure. he still got angry. Yeah. There were probably things he had to forgive himself. Maybe your mother had to forgive him. Maybe you had to forgive him. Um, all of that stuff takes time to work out. Mm-hmm. I've spent um, a good portion of my life working out Things that happened in my family, you know, my parents emigrated to Canada, which had a, a, was also a huge impacting uh, event on my life
1: mm-hmm.
0: and devastated our family for, for, in many ways. Uh, we've all recovered and worked through the, the, some of the losses that happened from moving from England to Canada, but it, it deeply affected my parents' marriage, it affected my relationship with my father, mm-hmm. which impact, affected my relationship with my kids. And so all of that is the, the obstacles, right? Every spiritual story has a series of obstacles, and they're relational obstacles, they're internal obstacles that mm-hmm. you that you have to work out, you mm-hmm. know, um, and 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 it's. It's a journey where you're moving from one identity, the old you, to, mm-hmm. to who God, I think, is calling you to be. And that's, in a sense, that's a picture of leaving home as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're leaving one version of yourself, or maybe mm-hmm. who you could have been, and God's guiding you to, uh, to the version that he wants you to be that he's created mm-hmm. you to be so all of those stories like bilbo leaving home you know even the disciples you know jesus says uh, you know come follow me which implies a leaving mm-hmm. you know leave leave your old life leave your old job as a fisherman leave your old life as a you know a tax collector or whatever it is mm-hmm. that the 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 spiritual invitation is an invitation to leave some identity that you have had mm-hmm. so it's not surprising to me looking back you know we both um have gone through a death process where we left our Christian identities behind mm-hmm. and and even and that's even a God thing too, right? That's mm-hmm. surprising because we think well, once you're a Christian, you've kind of got it, but I think that yeah. God intentionally leads you through a death process so that you can experience the new identity
1: yeah that's so interesting it's like the inciting incident of our lives made us Christians and it ultimately brought us into serving the church and serving God through formal ministry only for the journey to then lead us right back out of, of that, that service and even right back out of our Christian identity. Right. Uh, and and experiencing a death of, of sorts. I'm still processing this. I don't know if I've, if I'm in act two or act three, but I feel lately I want God, like even if, even if it's just my brain telling me, feel God right now, <laughs> you know, release these, play a song and release all these hormones, you know, even if my brain is making God real, I, I don't want to live in a universe without feeling God close.
0: It's interesting that you emphasize the feeling component. Um, I like what I, I from what I know of you, and even just some of your background that you've you kind of had that Pentecostal uh, influence. Mm-hmm. You you're probably I, I struggle with some of the feeling aspects of it sometimes, yeah. and I think that you're probably better at that. Um, what what's worked for me is, is seeing the pattern, you know? Mm. And so, again, to reference the ma- matrix, there, there's the, when you see those little glitches, when you see those things that make you realize something is going on, <laughs> and that's how I feel about God. I, and I, I, again, I feel, feel I'm using the feel world, is that God has shown me that the story is is a living story that's happening mm-hmm. to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you can be further or further, away from God and you can be closer to God and you can have more understanding, you can miss some of those key plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have the spiritual experience, whether you realize it or not. And I, I think I told it, told you this story off off, off uh, when we were talking earlier about my when my daughter was going through a tough time, she was studying uh, to be a lab tech. And it's a very demanding course. Mm-hmm. And she was extremely overwhelmed at one point. She was studying like hours and hours a day. And I was worried about her because she was studying so hard and just nothing else, you know. And, um, and I, I had the picture of, you know, so there's the picture of Jesus falls asleep in the boat and the disciples get upset that there's a storm and they're, they're freaking out. There's a storm. There's a storm. Why isn't Jesus awake? And eventually Jesus does wake up and he does calm the storm. And it, it made me realize that you're going to experience a storm but if you don't understand how the story works, mm. you don't understand where Jesus is. Jesus is there. He's, he's, he is present. He's making a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you can't access him in the story. Um, and you, so you need that knowledge as well as the experience. And many people have the experience and lack the
1: knowledge mm-hmm. that
0: gives the meaning to the story.
1: No, that's super interesting. I think maybe that's part of what maybe this podcast is about maybe we can help ourselves and, and anyone who's listening that finds this useful to see the patterns, maybe to learn some of the, the meanings of the stories have like language and reference points. So one thing I think we're probably got to wrap up soon, but one thing I was thinking about was the difference for me. I think the times where I felt a connection with God and the times that I didn't was the times that I did was because I was actually just looking for it. Right. They, um, I think our brains are are have evolved in such a way where it it literally has to decide what information is important, right? Like it's we're bombarded with probably millions. We're, all, of we're data overwhelmed. Bots. We have yeah. so much information for yeah. sure, and I think our brains can only fix you know focus on fifty to hundred things instead of the two million things that you know bombard us, and so we. You know, you ever, you ever have that experience? I think you have because you're, you're, you're a car guy, I think. So You when you look for a car and you're, you're looking at a specific make and yeah, model. Yeah, you see it everywhere. Now all of a sudden that you're yeah. looking, paying attention, you see it everywhere, right? Absolutely. I think it's that way with God. Like, I think when I went for those years, just quite happy to, to be without... Like, I lived a happy life without God and I didn't see God very much, right? But then, like, now that I'm actually trying to look for Him again, I... I'm seeing it, right? I'm finding it. I'm seeing the patterns or I'm noticing the signs or the... So is it our brain? Is it just that like Jesus is always in the boat, like you said. Right. But just our brains don't, just they kind of edit it out until it maybe makes sense. Well,
0: I think God, he does tell us to seek him Mm -hmm. and that the seeking does work. Yeah. You know, and absolutely. I, I told my son this recently. I said, just pray every day and ask God to show you what to do. Give him some time to do it because it takes time. He doesn't always answer immediately, and and there'll be you know a process of hearing that takes time. Yeah. But I I honestly do believe, and that's the one practice I've never given up, even in when I felt like giving up my faith. Is I'll still pray because it does work. Wow. You know, and, and sometimes it's all you've got. It's that th- little thread that that you keep pulling on, and it's a practice that just. Uh, for me is as pull me through some definite some dark dark nights and i would never give it up because wow. it um it, it's made all the difference in the end
1: well there you go folks i guess if we could end on something uh, what well, there's a lot of verses that say basically ask seek knock wait uh it, it seems like god isn't super obvious in this world or in this story but if we actually take some time to say things like, you know, my dad said when he was reading the Bible, like, could I have this? He asked. And when you read the Bible and that inciting incident for you, you were like, show me if if this is true, if this is real. Right. You asked.
0: Yeah, asking God questions is a great way to uh, to learn something. But yeah. gi- give God time to answer. That's that's. I find there's a bit of a delay. At least that's how it's worked in my life. Um, but just be open to seeking and, you know, and recognize the circumstances. It's probably not a surprise that so many people go through a crisis in their life because it's often the crisis is part of the the, the necessary uh, breakup of our old systems and ways of coping that that's needed to to take us somewhere new. And, mm. you know, so there's all kinds of crises that come in our life. I don't think it always has to be that way. But I've I've noticed that it often is, and and so when you're in the middle of it, um, it can be really challenging. But that's that's the time to start digging and start asking those questions and start seeking. I would want to finishing off maybe encourage people to realize that you're having a spiritual story, and it's bigger than just pray this prayer and and you know and hopefully get into heaven at the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. It's it's that that Jesus and is able to give resources and insight. Um, through the stories of scripture but also through through the way he speaks and I think how, how does God speak is probably a whole other episode as well and we have probably have different takes on it yeah because um, to some degree it's individual mm-hmm. but um, if you are on a spiritual journey it makes sense to
1: get some help with where you're going yeah so you know what tell us about your inciting incident we'd love to hear from you uh, we, we leave an, an email and, and other contact information in the show notes of the episode Uh, And we'd love to hear about your inciting incident of, of your story. Okay, that's it for another episode.